Welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Sheeran. Come and join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey, talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So go and get the kettle on, settle in for a chat and hopefully a lot of laughter along the way. Our topic this week is lichen sclerosis, particularly vulval lichen sclerosis, a painful, chronic, inflammatory condition that can restrict daily life, such as going to the toilet, sitting, exercising, and can become cancerous if left untreated. Prevalence in the population remains unclear as a condition is underreported and underdiagnosed. We talked to lovely friend of the show, Claire Baumhauer. Um, a long-time sufferer of um, vulval lichen sclerosis, who now works hard raising awareness about it. Um, and she tells us what it might lead to if you are misdiagnosed. In the book Collective, we discuss chapter three of 12 Moons by Caro Giles. Find out how our listeners' pea and spinach soup recipe went in our foodie collective. Uh, plus, you may have already seen or heard it on our social media, but Lou will be reciting her taboo poem um, that I asked her to write for last episode's WI. Um, I haven't actually told her that, so this might be the first thing she's heard. Um, and finally, we will have a quote for the week. We've had some lovely comments. Oh, Lou, do you we? know what we have? You, you, they, they pulled it out of the bag this week, those oh, listeners. I know. So we've had a book recommendation as well from Linda, who told us, Hi, I'm listening to a book I think you will like for your collective. It's called The Shift by Sam Baker and she went on to tell us I just listened to the podcast and I used to work near Southwark because <laughs> we say Southwark not Southwark as I did so you don't really pronounce the O or the W it just made me chuckle do you know as soon as you pulled me up on it I was like of course, of course it's it Southwark, is. Southwark. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it bloody You is. were just reading. You were doing that anchor man, reading oh, what it I says. Was, I was doing it, yeah. Up, in the if zone. it says on the paper, it came out of my it, mouth. Ex exactly. <laughs> or not. Oh, I could I could have a good game there, couldn't I? Um, just move with Elle's lovely Elena DM'd us um, saying, morning lovelies, thanks for having Emma back. This was um, Emma Ellis Flint she's talking about in, last, in episode three. Um, she said, love, love, love her. Aww. Been following her for a while now and hopefully do another of her fab workshops um, have noticed changes in my digestion for nearly a year and doing best with Emma's tips to keep those bugs happy we'll be giving it another listen um, loving the book collective oh, we've had a lot of love for the book yeah, collective haven't we? we'll we talk about that later and gorgeous Razia that's her real name yes it is told us another fantastic episode all the ways that our body systems are interconnected is fascinating from the gorgeous Razia you started it and it brings a smile to my day. Plus, I'll be 55 on Tuesday. No one calls me gorgeous, so I'll do it myself. Well, a happy birthday, Razia. Yes, I hope you did have a lovely time. Many happy returnings. Yeah. yeah. Um, Razia is also reading along with our book uh, club, so we'll be hearing from her a little bit later. Um, and so is Rachel, not your usual menopause. Um, but Rachel has also had a problem <laughs> like me in theatres. She told us, oh, yes, Jinty, I feel your pain with tall people in front of me in theatres, etc. I'm a little taller than you, but not by much. And the last time 
time we went to the theatre, I had a very tall woman with big hair <laughs> sat right, this is my story, sat right in front. So I couldn't see the stage at all. We were sat in the middle of a row with people either side. So there was no option to move left or right. At the interval, we inelegantly climbed over our seats to the empty row behind. Guess what the tall woman did? Exactly the same and sat in my now vacated seat. Do you know what? And that's the very British thing. Instead of saying, do you know, I've moved because of you. You know, because you really want to say that. Oh, I know. I bet there's a lot of tutting. A lot of tutting. (laughs) And Mary Lucy Bell simply said, I love you too. Thank you, Mary. Oh, thank you. Um, And your poem, Lou, on Instagram went down a storm. Mrs. Menacores commented, I love this. Thank you. I haven't enjoyed a poem so much (laughs) in ages. Pam Ayres, you know. Yes, and haven't written one in decades. May I respectfully suggest one word substitution? In the last line, use on rather than from. I hope you don't mind. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you. And our friend Dr. Rebecca Walker commented, thank you, Lou, for this for this start to the day and for the tears of laughter. And lovely <laughs> Dr. Zoe of Manchester Menopause Hive asked, can we request a monthly poem from now on, Lou? Well, I think we should do. I think maybe your turn next. Yes, yes. Mm. I don't know about that. I'm all right, limericks, but that's about it. And Amantha, um, Amantha King told us, love this more crack poetry, please. (laughs) And and I think Jin Jun Hinge said she has a bum wig as well. I remember it's all reading. about the crack. It's all about the crack. <laughs> we, we found a new genre of poetry, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> it's, it's basement. So I was going to say, how's your week been, Lou? But how's your two weeks been? You've been on holiday. I did miss you very oh, much. And I know I the miss... listeners did. I had a few few messages to say, no podcast this oh, week. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. We took decided to take our holiday when the kids went back to school, as ours have all left home. Um, yes, we went off in Gloria, our very old 1992 Heimer motorhome, um, and went off round uh, the Gower and Pembrokeshire in Wales. Lovely caught the arse end of every hurricane. I think I did that with a little bit of Welsh accent there. I do yeah, apologise. Yeah, I didn't no, mean I didn't, to. I didn't understand no. it, Jim. No, I know. <laughs> I didn't understand. But, yes, um, you did have a bit of wind, yes, didn't you, Yes, my Google search history was uh, for the first night, how how many miles per hour of wind does it take to topple a hymer? <laughs> you stayed upright then. Stayed up. Well, I did well, because the... I drank wine. But <laughs> the fell off home, a ladder. I fell <laughs> off a ladder. Yeah, I thought I broke my foot. That was when I was sober in the morning making the bed, but that wasn't anything to do with the hurricane. But you know what? Gloria wasn't drunk. She was she, she was up. she was upright. Like the trooper she's a, she is. She's a solid miss, I tell you. <laughs> but we were in um one of the places we stopped, we went went around, gallivanted around. You in went Gloria. a little tour, didn't we? We did. Um and we went to a place called Pembry. So uh, just uh, in Carmarthenshire, I think. And I'm probably corrected on that because I'm anyone anyone Welsh please let us know where I've been but there was um it was really interesting actually because there was a a royal ordnance factory an old disused one there and um there was a plaque on the wall blue plaque I thought oh and it was for the women of the Royal Ordnance Factory in World War One and World War Two. So I went and did a bit of digging. Oh, good. Not yes. literally digging. Uh, I didn't you mean to... there is, there's blue plaques with women on them? There is. Wow. There is in Pembury. Um, so, that it was, so Pembury was a huge munitions factory. 
and the women that worked there were called canary girls um I've heard of them. Yes. Well, mm. I had, but I hadn't really, didn't really know what no. they were. No, tell us, tell us. Uh, and, and the plaque states that they risked their lives in the cause of freedom. So w- w- there was twofold dangers, explosions and ill health. Um, but the munitions um, workers were mainly women. They were made up of um, over 70% women. All in all, w- women were obviously the cons- con- men were conscripted up in the uh, First and Second World War. And so there were about 3 million women um, working, conscripted up, and 1 million of them worked in munitions, and they were usually aged between 21 and 25 years old. And so they were mixing um, explosives, filling shells, shells and bullets. Mm. So they were doing dangerous work. Yeah. So TNT, so we've all heard of that as the explosive, it's really poisonous, and contact with the skin causes irritation. And that the, this is the chemical that is responsible for the yellowing. So that's where they got the name Canary Girls. Um, so the, the chemicals react with the melanin in the skin and cause uh, yellow pigmentation, giving rise to the girls acquiring the nickname Canary Girls. Other side effects were nausea caused by inhaling the dust and fumes and also uh, hives. Some were known to have developed epileptic fits, um, obviously not researched. And... Um, some uh, women actually during World War Two gave birth to bright yellow babies, canary wow. babies. So they really got the butt end of it all, really. Mm. Um, so the conscription for girls began in 1940. And yeah, they were given the three choices, land, army or working in government factories. So that was the munitions. Um, there was no compulsion over the choice. Girls were recruited from the valleys, Cardiff, Swansea and surrounding areas arriving by train at a special um, station in Pencode. I think I've said, I said that wrong. But the pay, most girls would try to do munitions because the pay was good. It was up to £3 a week. And you have meals and transport provided for your 45-hour um, week. In the land army, by contrast, the pay was £1 and 8 shillings for a 50-hour week. So actually munitions, you would have thought, was better, but you, you risked your life. And there were many... There's not actually... Um, a list of how many women did die in the uh, munitions factory, but there were regular explosions and people dying. Mm. So it was, it was, but for, and for, again, for a lot of those women, it was freedom, wasn't it? It was freedom. They did, they were you know, it was dangerous, something. but they were doing something. They, and they felt went useful. And they, yeah, they went bright yellow for their troubles. Yeah. But, how, but really interesting, wow. actually. And I, yeah, yeah I'd heard is. of the Canary Girls, but I didn't know what caused it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that was um, part of my holiday. Fantastic. Anyway, what have you been doing in my two weeks off? Well, um, I have to just before I tell you what I've been doing. Yeah. Earlier on today, well, when Lou came in to record, I was cooking Lou, wasn't I? Oh, she was Um, like a goddess in the kitchen. I, I tell you what. I flew in the door and she's she's there with a pinny on. Yeah. Here's my passata I've made for oh, my so tomatoes. And how's that? And I'm doing my my bolognese and I've made the pea soup. I mean, there wasn't anything that you hadn't made in that kitchen when I came in. <laughs> no, I know. It was all happening. It was a hive of exciting. <laughs> I don't know what you've been but, drinking. Well, now, now I, so I made, I've made Rachel's pea and spinach soup. Now, neither of us thought we were going to 
make that, did we? And I'll talk about that later. But I didn't think I had to have time. The reason it was a hive of activity is because I thought I was going to have my eyebrows done this morning, right? I had an appointment to have them because I've got no eyebrows at the moment, but they're white. I can see them. Have you yeah. had them done? No, I haven't. I've penciled them in oh. today because they're so white. Anyway, um, the, the Julie, the lovely girl who does them, had to cancel last minute. And do you do this thing where if you've got unexpected time, you suddenly, you think, so I, I, I thought, oh, I've got an extra hour. Um, it's a flurry of activity. It is. So I can make that soup. I thought, that's great. I've got an hour to make that soup. I'll, and then I, or, I'll, I'll try out that new makeup look that I've seen on, you know, TikTok. Or I'll try out that. I'll make my spaghetti bolognese for later on. <laughs> I'll, on a, and I'll, um, oh, I'll fix that one wonky table. I'll like, sit down and have a coffee and a biscuit. And suddenly, all in an hour. All in an hour. <laughs> but you, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. When I had that appointment, I thought, no, Jin, you're not going to have time for the soup. You're not going to have time to do the tea. You've got to have your eyebrows done. Your eyebrows done and a podcast on the same day. It's two things in the diary. Two things in the diary. Suddenly I get a cancellation and I think I can do about three billion things in this hour. (laughs) So anyway, I did make the pea soup. So listen later to the foodie. But last week I went down to or treated my husband for his birthday um he loves gin and he loves Plymouth gin that's his favorite and we're not far from Plymouth uh, we know we've got some lovely Plymouth um gals listening um hello to you guys have you ever done if you live in Plymouth the Plymouth gin distillery tour well I treated him to that so um and it was quite the history lesson Lou so I thought I'd give you some fun facts and alcohol phrases that we just live with every day that you may not know about one of these nation's favorite tipples so do you know that what the recognizable smell of gin is nothing smells like gin does it or tastes like it do you know what that is it juniper it is because I have done the sulcum gin yes uh, making yes juniper berries and um, back in the middle ages um, the dutch began adding juniper berries when distilling a tonic to make it more palatable they added brandy because of all the impurities um, to make it didn't taste very nice to make this uh, medicinal tonic sold by pharmacist um, it was called geneva Oh. Yeah. And in the 17th century, it became popular as an alcoholic drink. And then English soldiers and sailors began importing Geneva to England, which is probably where the phrase Dutch courage comes from. Oh, yeah, they yeah. got it from the Dutch. Um, and, and so and Geneva, obviously over here, that gradually became gin. Anyway, soon the English uh, began to make their own version, but it tasted disgusting because of all the impurities. Um, But instead of adding brandy, good old Brits, they added sulfuric acid and cocaine. (gasps) (laughs) Well, that would go off with a bang, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. You didn't have any of that, then that's why the kitchen was so... um, See? Maybe you maybe <laughs> guess why it worked so what... hard. <laughs> if you overdid it, it could make you blind. Oh my goodness! So this is where the phrase "blind drunk" because you literally comes were from. Because you literally could go blind. It's and it's also where, like you say, gin. Our word "gin" comes from. Um, back then, our drinking water carried uh, lots of diseases. So mm. most folk either drank beer or gin. Um, women were obviously not allowed in pubs, so they drank it at home or in the streets, um, which contributed um, to many children's deaths, hence the phrase 
mother's ruin. ruin. Yeah. This all changed when they found a better way of purifying and stopped adding the cocaine <laughs> and the sulfuric acid and began adding botanicals such as coriander seeds, orange peel and angelica root. Um, and it tasted more like the gin we know today. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Some fun facts I about like mother's it. ruin, blind, drunken Dutch courage. I like that. And whilst discussing mother's ruin and history, Lou, I came across this week the historian Dr. Bob Nicholson. And he has been writing about the British rag mag tidbits. Um, and he uncovered, it's been going for, it only finished in the 90s, I think, or late 80s. Okay. Um, and he uncovered that in 1889, the magazine offered money as a prize for the best reply to their question. Why am I a spinster? Do you want to hear some of the things the women said? Go on. So a number of women wrote to Titbits magazine in 1889. Okay. There's some great ones. So one woman said, because I do not care to enlarge my menagerie of pets. And I find, <laughs> I find the animal man less docile than a dog, less affectionate than a cat and less amusing than a monkey. Love it. Um, another woman said, I am now only a dairymaid, explained, she explained. If I married, I should be a wife, mother, nurse, housekeeper, chambermaid, seamstress, laundress, dairymaid, and scrub generally. She had it right. Oh, didn't she's she? yeah, ahead of her time. Yeah. <clears throat> another one said, like the wild Mustang of the prairie that roams unfettered, tossing his head in utter disdain at the approach of the lasso, which if once round his neck proclaims him captive. So I find it more delightful to tread on the verge of freedom and captivity than to allow the snarer to cast around me the matrimonial lasso. Oh, that was poetic, deep, wasn't, wasn't it? Very deep. Yeah. Another woman said, because I have other professions open to me, which the hours are shorter, the work more agreeable, and the pay possibly better. <laughs> Um, and another one noted, we've got two more because men like three cornered tart are like three cornered tarts, explained one woman. They are very pleasing to the eye, but on closer inspection prove hollow and stale. <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? And the last one, um, she says, because matrimony is like an electric battery. Once you join hands and can't let go, you can't let go, however much it hurts. And as when embarked on a toboggan slide, you must go on to the bitter end, however much it bumps. <laughs> That's a bit depressing, well, isn't mate, it? Yeah, you want to be a spinster reading them, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, you had to stay married then because yeah, if you, you, couldn't. you couldn't get divorced, well, well you, you could, but you, you wouldn't. You could slyly kill him, though, couldn't you, with some dodgy mushrooms some or something? Of, some of that cocaine and, yeah. and uh, gin. Yeah, sulfuric acid. Yeah, get that, get that <laughs> down you. A few months ago, we had a request from a listener, Suze BC, who said, can you do an episode on vulvo lichen sclerosis, please? So we asked the wonderful Claire Baumhauer, who featured in series five, episode two, when she spoke about vulval cancer. In, this, uh, in that episode, we touched on lichen sclerosis and how it goes undiagnosed for a long time and it can lead to vulvar cancer. 
as indeed it did for Claire. According to the Nottingham University Clinical Trials Unit, vulval lichen sclerosis is a chronic inflammatory condition with incidence peaking in childhood and post-menopause. Reported prevalence is up 3%, affecting around 1 million women in the UK. Inflammation causes whitening of vulval tissue, bleeding under the skin, uh, texture change and cuts. Patients report itching pain, particularly during sex, and discomfort in daily activities. Untreated LS uh, lichen sclerosis can cause progressive loss of vulval architecture. Scarring may occur early in the disease and is irreversible without surgery. LS persisting beyond puberty may prevent normal vulval anatomical development. And Claire Baumhauer was diagnosed with vulvan lichen sclerosis and stage three vulval cancer at 43, but had first noticed symptoms at the age of five years old. She now spends most of her spare time raising awareness around vulval cancer and lichen sclerosis. Um, so Claire joins us uh, again today. She's back to tell us um, about her own experience of lichen sclerosis, the symptoms, the treatments, and everything we should all know about this condition. Welcome back, Claire. Oh, welcome. Claire, it's so lovely to see your face. Thank you for having me back again. Glad oh. to be here. So, so when we spoke to you last year, you told us that retrospectively, you remember having your first symptoms of um, lichen sclerosis at five years old. What do you remember of that time, Claire? Well, back, well, many years ago. Um, still now, I think they do. But when you're at sort of nursery, um, you quite often don't sit on chairs, you're sitting on the carpet or you're sitting on the floor in assembly. And that for me was when I was um, quite sore and itchy. So sitting on the floor and carpet for a long time, I think it made it worse. And, uh, you know, I was always called, I was a fidgeter. So mum always called me a fidget. Um, but it was because, you know, it was sore and itchy. So I couldn't really keep still. So I was always moving about. Um, so that's my first memories of it. So it could have even been earlier than that. Unfortunately, my mum passed away before I was diagnosed. So I can't talk to her about it and find out, you know, if it was younger or what she noticed. But so it must have been around about five or in nursery when it first started. And then as I got a bit older, um, I suppose she was more aware about it because she would hear me cry in the toilet. Because going to a toilet, especially when you've itched and scratched and you've got sores, blood blisters and, and bruises, obviously once urine hits it, it is like, you know, putting acid in. And, you know, even now if you get a cut or have a baby and you get that similar sort of feeling, yeah. it's, it's a lot worse than that. And, uh, you know, just a tiny drop of urine, it makes you just scream and stand up. You can't go. So I was holding my toilet and I wasn't drinking either, which you noticed. Um, so that was when she took me to the GP. I think I was around about eight or nine. I would have been in primary school. But obviously I was embarrassed and I didn't really know what to say. So my mum did the talking and I hadn't really told her about any of the other symptoms I wasn't really aware of. So as far as she was concerned, it was just painful going to the toilet. So the GP at the time never looked, never asked to look. Um, he didn't ask me any questions that I can remember. Um, but just... Literally, my mum said, you know, hurt when she went to the toilet. So he straight away said it was cystitis. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first time I was sort of misdiagnosed, which is partly obviously my own fault and my mum's for not knowing more, more and saying about the symptoms. Well, obviously, mm -hmm. the GP should have asked to look at least. Yeah, I know, because if we'd gone in with obviously something was wrong with my ankle, my foot or my leg, straight away they want to look at even in her mouth or her throat. If we say we've got a sore throat or something, yeah. they look. Yes, but, yeah, you're yeah. right. 
And we spoke um, briefly in the int intro about some of the symptoms um, and the fact that lichen sclerosis is more, more prevalent in post-menopause. Um, I know you've got your own sort of thoughts, thoughts on that as well. And some of the symptoms could be easily confused with genitourinary um, syndrome of menopause, such as the itching, burning, soreness and dryness. Um, so can we talk about how we ourselves um, might be able to tell the difference and how a GP would confirm the difference between um, what would be a post-menopause uh, GSM and um, lichen sclerosis? Well, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems for us and for medical professionals because the symptoms are so similar to many other vulval uh, symptoms. So I can, I can understand how it gets misdiagnosed. Um, which is why I think quite often if a GP, you know, hasn't taken a special interest in vulva diseases uh, or done any training or, you know, or even looked themselves, um, you know, Google, um, then, you know, <laughs> I can understand how, how they're not going to know because it is hard. So for us, I suppose, as, as normal people, knowing that it's just don't assume every itch is thrush because a lot of us do, you know, medical professionals do as well. I self-treated myself quite a few times and even when I did go back to the to the GP as I got older I was still told it was thrush my symptoms um, I didn't have any more more symptoms that I knew of at the time because I wasn't really looking um, and again male GPs never looked so make sure you look and you get the health professional to look but as it comes to LS the symptoms are similar in itching so with vaginal atrophy uh, for menopause, I'll let you say the word better than me. Yeah. Um, then it's, yeah, itching is one of the ones that are similar in both. Um, actually, I've got a, a diagram here, which I've brought up so I can say the itch is often for lichen sclerosis and for GMS and also for thrush. So again, that could be any, any of those. Mm -hmm. um, if they think it's thrush, then please ask for a swab because I was never, a swab wasn't taken all the times that I was told. Um, obviously age um, it's more common to get LS when you're older or when you're very young but the middle ages are the, are the ones that normally get misdiagnosed as thrush the in between because they think it's rarer which many medical professionals don't agree that it's rare they think it's a common condition mm -hmm. so obviously the age side of it could be both for John or Atrophy and for LS and, and um, I've heard you say as well Claire I've heard you say before that you you sort of think that women really notice it more in post-menopause. So it might not be that they've suddenly got lichen yeah, sclerosis. Yeah, that's something that I've spoken to a lot of specialists about, which have agreed as well, that partly it's because they probably already had LS, but getting obviously uh, menopause symptoms has maybe made the LS symptoms worse. And obviously then they've got menopause symptoms as well as, so could have both at the same time. Obviously, maybe when you get to that sort of age and you're in your 50s, you are a bit more confident and you might look and might go to the GP and mention it. And the big one is, which is I've always said, that I think the reason why most get diagnosed in menopause age, it takes that long to get diagnosed. With the other symptoms as well is... Um, with LS, again, you have to have all the symptoms. That's where a lot of people think, oh, because, and doctors as well, because they don't have the itch or white patches, which are the two most common and obvious signs of LS, that's when they think you haven't got it. But with LS, quite often you can have white, silvery, shiny skin. Obviously, if it's VA, it's normally pinkish. If it's going to be fresh, then the colour is normally red because it's inflamed and sore. So oh, the colour yeah. can, can change it as well. Obviously, the... Um, VA is more internal, so the vagina will have um, symptoms, whereas lichen sclerosis isn't inside. So if 
it can be around the entrance of the vagina, but not inside. If you're getting problems there, then it could be lichen planus. But lichen sclerosis is outside, not just obviously the vulva, it can be other parts of the body as well. But so that's the difference between them. And also thrush also is also inside. So that's the difference between the three. The LS is the only one that's, that symptoms are only outside on the vulva area. So if somebody's struggling more with their vulva area than their vagina, it might be worth yeah, asking yeah, at yeah. least, yeah. And also sexual intercourse as well is a problem for both because obviously with LS, the uh, vaginal um, area can shrink in a little bit. So that makes it harder and more uncomfortable for sex, as well as quite often you can get, that's where you get tears and paper cuts when you're having sex in that area. So again, that's why, and the same obviously with VA, you know, they've noticed it's dryness and, and the difference there. When it comes to discharge, lichen sclerosis doesn't really have a different in your discharge, whereas with uh, vaginal atrophy, they say it can be a yeah. problem there. So again, that's one or the other. But you know, but you can obviously have more than one condition at once. Yes. So many of us do. So that's why I get why it's hard for us and for you know medical professionals to get it wrong because there are so many, and that's why that if your you know your GP hasn't got a special interest in vulvar diseases then that's where you need to be referred yeah. and even that's not easy either because it's a skin condition and a gynecological place so quite often gps don't know which one to refer you to and again you know some not all gynecologists might not know that much about ls because it is obviously a skin condition they might not so again you've got to make sure that you're sent to the right professional as well yeah, yeah. and we spoke a bit <clears throat> earlier about the vulval sort of architecture um, and that that wouldn't necessarily, I suppose, that change might happen in the skin getting thinner in um, vaginal atrophy. But can in lichen sclerosis, uh, so like the labias can stick together? Yeah, that, can change, and it, that can change quite a lot. And quite often that's where doctors recognise it more than we would. Um, because in sometimes you might have no other symptoms. You're not itchy or you don't notice any white areas. But they notice that that's changed. So that quite often gets people diagnosed. The um, clitoris can get buried. Um, it's just um, inflammation and scar tissue, so it seems like it's buried. Um, and also, yes, like you say, the labias can shrink, stick together, and that can make it look a lot different as well. That's why it's important to get to know what yours looks like when you're younger, so you yeah. can see the difference as you are getting older. Because a lot of those that are diagnosed with lichen sclerosis, including myself, wish they'd looked properly. Yeah. Um, maybe took photographs as well, so you can see the differences. And you can then say to the doctor, you know, five years ago, it wasn't like this. This is what it was like. This is what it's like now. Yeah. And that can also get you an earlier diagnosis as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, so in a press release in, twen in June 2023, Claire, uh, research led by the University of Bristol suggested that primary care professionals should think beyond thrush and genitourinary symptoms of menopause, GSM, when women present with vulval symptoms and consider the diagnosis of vulval uh, lichen sclerosis. How important is it that people get the treatment early and what is the treatment? Well, that report was brilliant because I was involved in that as part of the patient representative, so one of the authors on that. It was brought out because of a consultant dermatologist that I spoke to. She was starting to get a bit concerned and noticed that because of how great we're getting now with awareness with menopause, uh, especially with some of the celebrities talking about it more, that she was concerned that a lot of her patients were getting misdiagnosed and told it was menopause symptoms when they actually had LS or both. Mm. So she was getting concerned that although it was great to get more awareness for menopause, it was, she thought, getting more people misdiagnosed. So that was one of the reasons why 
this was done and that was what it's aimed at so it's get it's, it's aimed at obviously medical professionals so it's showing free to do with thrush ls and for drawn atrophy showing the symptoms showing what's what the doctors need to look for what, where to signpost them what to do and, and again the treatment so that was great and that was released and you know, i keep plugging that as well and Brilliant. a lot of our uh, support group we're telling them to you know email it to your uh, practices so that you know hopefully they take a look at it and use it yeah. um but yeah so but the treatment is um it can vary because obviously like any condition um some people get it a lot worse than others some don't even notice they've got it and don't have many symptoms so it does depend slightly on on how bad it is but the initial treatment is always a potent steroid so that's one of the stronger ones which is um clobetazole which is brand name is dermavate and quite often that should be the ointment rather than the cream because the cream has got additives in and that can cause dermatitis and other you know the same sort of symptoms that oh, so that's why they like the, the, the ointment um and also it's it goes on better and stays in and sort of seeps in better they prefer that so that's the you know letting making sure that doctors are aware to give them that because unfortunately some doctors are giving a lower strength which isn't good enough for ls it needs um, to be the like, potent yeah. one yeah but again yeah. you know some people have reaction to you know to the strength so they might have to have a lower strength one but to start with you've got to try you know the potent one first and it needs to be daily and most will say once daily for you know one to three months again you know it might take longer some lovers um so again it's depending on what's wrong and how bad it is and how far it is all around or like the figure of eight we call it which is the whole of the vulva and the perineum area and even the anal area because ls can affect that area as well so you'd need to use probably a fingertip amount um, for, you know, to the first line of your finger of steroids, put it all over if, if it's affecting the whole area. And then normally you do that for at least a month. And if things are going well, then you can drop it back to every other day for a month. And if it's still going well, then it can be twice a week. Um, if not, then you carry on daily for longer, for two to three months, which is why really you need to see a specialist yeah. because you need to be seen again after the first three or four weeks to check that steroid's right for you, that you're using it correctly, you're not using too much or too little, um, and it is the right one. Um, so, And then once, hopefully, you're in remission, which is possible, um, and everything's going well, then at, that, at the moment now they're saying to use the steroid all the time. Because, you know, you think about any condition that you have, there's no cure. This steroid isn't a cure. So other conditions, you don't just stop using something, yeah. you, you know, because there's still something wrong. So you've got to carry on for life, um, which is normally once to twice a week, which then helps keep you in remission. So the flares don't keep coming back. It helps slow down um, the progression um, because don't necessarily stop, unfortunately, everything disappearing um, it just normally slows it down it can stop for some people but not everyone and also what's proven Australian professor Gail Fisher has done in 2016 she had 500 patients that was on the maintenance dose of steroid which proved that it did slow down stop progression and it also helped prevent cancer so that's another reason why you know you should carry on using it and why really you need to see a professional because there is a small risk of cancer um, for those that look like me, similar to me, that have been left a long time. Um, that's why, really, you need to see a specialist. And, you know, you need to see somebody for life. Even if it's just your GP that you make your own appointment to once a year, you need to see somebody just to make sure 
Yeah, and I and I suppose for for those people who you said some people are asymptomatic, they've gone with something else and don't even know they've got it, um, and that yeah. so it can be quite dangerous, can't it? If if it yeah, can yeah, definitely. You know, even myself, for, for many years, I just thought it was just itch. That was the only thing I, I really knew. It wasn't until I did actually look properly. And then when I was actually diagnosed and I looked properly on my show and that, you know, my whole skin was, was white silvery. But because I'd never seen other vulvas, I was none the wiser. That was mm-hmm. normal. So I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how long it had been white for either because obviously I've not looked. And, you know, even though I had the tears and I had uh, my clitoris was buried, labour had shrunk. But again, because it happened so gradual, I never noticed and I wasn't aware that I had all them changes. Even though I'd had, you know, at least eight smear tests in that time, two children. So, you know, nurses, unfortunately, I didn't find out till after I was diagnosed, that nurses aren't trained in vulval diseases or condition. Which absolutely baffles me, Claire. You know, uh, when you're going for a smear test, that's prime time, isn't it? To have to have a look and to have that conversation. There's a brilliant book, which I wish, really wish I was out when we were kids, that um, This is the Vulva by Joe Carell, I think mm. it is, or Coral. And, and in there, as you said, you would have seen, if you could have seen that, you would have seen, okay, white skin isn't normal, you know, because there's picture, pictures of all sorts of different vulvas and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think any any teen get that book for. I think it is to to take away that stigma, that shame, that guilt, and that fear as well, mm. isn't it? Fear. People are frightened of looking at their own vulvas. It's important, you know. We've been told, you know, how often we've got to check our breasts and the rest of our body for for you know skin cancers and other lumps and bumps, but we're not really told to you know to check our vulva, and it's something that needs to be done so that then later on we can talk about it as freely as we are breast cancer now. Because, you know, even now, you know, we've only just had Gardner Cancer Awareness Month and hardly anyone shared anything. Um, And, you know, even my own friends on Facebook and that. But as soon as Breast Cancer Month came, that is all I'm seeing now. And I I do spend October off of social media because I take it personally and I shouldn't. And it, it makes me angry and upset that. Why have you shared nothing about gargoyle cancers or vulva cancer, but you're all sharing for breast cancer? So that I'm hoping, you know, in the future it will change and people will, because they must be embarrassed to share the symptoms of it. Otherwise, why else aren't they sharing it? It's mad, isn't it? But the more we're embarrassed, the more we keep that shame um, stigma going, isn't it? um, In the same press release, um, they say that VLS affects one in 70 women who visit the general gynecology clinic. Um, They say that the condition is painful, can restrict daily life, such as going to the toilet, sitting, exercising, sexual activity and socialising. So can this treatment that you're talking about, can it uh, improve the symptoms? You mentioned it slightly there that people can go into remission. So obviously it can. Um, and can somebody recover, you know, quite well? I suppose it depends how bad it is as well. Yeah. It? Again, that depends, I suppose, on how long they've had it, if they've been treating it, what they're using. Um, if they're seeing a specialist, obviously it makes a big difference sometimes. But yes, you can. You have to, you, have to, you know, you sometimes you have to... You know, a new way of life. You've got to change your routines. Um, so, you know, using soap substitutes rather than normal soaps, no perfumes anymore. So, using a good ammonia. There's no good one necessarily I can recommend because we're all different. So, mm. you've got to find which one works for you. Um, but again, ointment bases are, are better to use as well because it locks in the moisture. So, that helps. Um, you, you know, finding a good moisturizer as well. 
um, you know, finding a good lubricant, um, changing your underwear as well. Make sure you don't wear coloured underwear, it's not bleached and try and get cotton gusset at least or get Dermasilk, which is the silk underwear. And um, there's lots of things you can do to help. But unfortunately, you know, it's like a lot of conditions. You've got to change, you know, the, the way of life in a way. Some people, you know, find swimming, chlorine causes too much problem, even using a barrier, which quite often people use Vaseline can help. Some can't swim, some can using barriers. Horse riding, riding a bike, you know, some people have to stop doing that um, because it's too uncomfortable. But, you know, you can find seats. Uh, special seats you can try so there are different ways you're just trying to find what can help you really yeah. but you know there's creams you can use there's numbing creams like um um Instagel and, and other ones that have got um some numbing cream inside it which helps um you know there's lots of different things you can use to try and help but it's just finding what works for you and then stick to a routine really because I think a lot of us I've done it myself is that you hear of other people using something oh I'm gonna try that and everyone's trying you're just trying too many things you're not giving anything a chance to work and you might be causing yourself contact dermatitis you know or allergens start from the ingredients and you think it's your less or something else but just try and stick to what works for you and stick to it and don't keep swapping and changing and trying to find the next best thing or the cure because you know, unfortunately, there isn't one at this time. But yes, if you can, you know, find the steroid that works for you, use it regularly, get into a routine, yeah. um, then there is a good chance most can get into remission where they don't have many flares and they're doing okay. I mean, there was a survey um, from the British Association of Dermatologists and it said that one in five women with a vulval health condition contemplated self-harm or suicide. I mean, is this something you've come across either yourself or those that you talk to in, in, in your groups? Yes, I remember reading that a few years ago, and it's quite an old report, so I bet it's a lot worse now than it was back then. Yeah, we do, because, we, you know, we've got 9,000 members in our support group now. And, uh, you know, I do often, um, you know, get people get desperate and they try all sorts because, you know, they're just fed up with it and they find it hard. Um, I've noticed it's worse, actually, since COVID, because obviously now the waiting lists are longer, um, you know, waiting for... A specialist is up to a year longer for some people and some GPs won't start them off on the steroids until after and that was that article that you mentioned that we did and that actually says you know to start them on treatment ask them to take a picture so they know what it's like before you start the treatment so by the time they get to see a specialist they've been using a steroid so you know they're hopefully getting some comfort from that so you've got the mental health side of it because you quite often you're alone partners don't understand or you, you don't want to tell friends or family um, so, yes, it's, it's, you know, you do get it a few times. I've actually spoke to probably in the six years I've been doing it, I probably spoke to about five people on the phone because I could tell they were like, you know, really desperate to help. And quite often in our support group, we do, I do um, bump up and share Samaritans information, anxiety helplines, and we have lots of apps and that we use. But yes, it is mentioned sometimes when people just find it so hard, but it's like many condition, conditions. And we also have in our group as well, because support groups are brilliant places, but they're also where everyone goes when things are bad. Mm. So if someone new joining or will be overwhelmed and scared by it all. So I do have what's called a positive post, which I try and bump up and do it every month or so, so that people can see there are those that are doing really well. Because quite often in support group, you're doing well, you're not in it anymore. You sort of either leave it yeah, or you don't go on and check. So true. That's very so, true. Yeah. yeah. And you may, I've just thought of a question. You may not, may or may not know this. Um, maybe a question for a, um, a specialist. To, but am I right? Do steroids thin the skin slightly? 
But that's another reason why a lot of people don't want to yeah. use them. Because it would, the actual leaflet that comes with the steroids, a consultant will tell you to throw it in the bin, like with some of the yeah. leaflets, um, because it's an old, it's old really, it's old information. It's because years ago, steroids were used too freely and too easily and too much. And it did cause a lot of skin thinning and problems. So a lot of that is sort of stuck with it. But um, and we have actually uh, contacted them, asking them to include LS in the information on the leaflet or something, because it says not to use a steroid on genitals, and that's what we need to use it for. Mm. It also says not to use on open skin or wounds. That's what we need it for. Mm. It also says thins the skin. So we think, oh, no, it's already thin. We're going to thin it more. And that's not true. So they have actually, I just noticed the last couple of months, they have started to slowly change it. They did say that when they updated their leaflet, they, they would look into it. They changed it slightly. It's not brilliant, but it's better. They've said now don't use on itchy genitals. Again, that's a symptom, mm. but... And they've also said that if you're using it on wounds or cuts, be careful, cautious, which is fair enough. Um, and also the thin skinning, they've, they've changed that slightly to help. But the reason that they say that is if you use if you use uh, steroids on the face, for example, because the face is different to other areas of the body. And if, if you've got eczema or psoriasis and you're using a lot of steroids, then it can thin the skin. Yeah, it does. Yeah, But it doesn't thin the vulva skin. The vulva skin is different. LS is different. LS isn't thinning the skin. It's thickening the skin because you've got the information that thickens the skin. The thinning is probably because you've got vaginal atrophy or you're aging. But people are just so worried to use steroids. And unfortunately, you will get, not all, obviously, but some homopaths and nutritionists, they use that fear to stop patients from using um steroids because they want them to use what they have their supplements they want you to, to you know do what they do so they use that fit unfortunately but they're given false information the same as some support groups do they give you know false information on steroids but you need to you know look into it and, and find out off your own doctor not in a support group or somebody else but it won't thin the skin if you're using it correctly can you use the steroid along with local estrogen Yep, they can. Okay. Lots of us do. I do as well. Uh, you can use steroids with emollients, moisturizers, anything, as long as there's a space gap between it. As long as you leave about half an hour, most consultants will say, leave half an hour before you put different creams on. Because obviously we use moisturizers and emollients and, and uh, barriers, Vaseline, coconut oil, all sorts. But as long as you leave half an hour before or after you're using any other types of creams. So giving it a chance to work in and you're not diluting it in any way, that's fine. It's, you know, going on holiday, you can't really take a little tiny, just, you know, on the you plane carry bag. On. No, you carry on. You gotta take loads of blooming <laughs> stuff. It's mad. Um, it's so, it's so important for us to know about lichen sclerosis um, before we get to menopause, like we said before, so we can understand, are, are there any more changes that we need to look for yeah, that we haven't yeah, already discussed? Yeah, lichen sclerosis, there's a lot more symptoms. So we start off with a whitish, shiny skin, itching, soreness, pain, um, burning when you go to the toilet. Some can get constipated as well. That's more common in children, actually, can get constipated. Oh, wow. But because that area also tightens and gets sore. So you need to put sometimes, you know, one of my tips is to put your emollient on toilet roll before you wipe because that helps. So it's not, also before and after. Yeah. So you're protecting the skin as well. Do Good that. Tip. It can affect the area. A lot of people, some only have it in that area, actually, because although LS is more common in the vulva area, it can be in the anal area. It can be other areas of the body as well, under the breasts as well quite common neck 
back, you know, stomach, and that area, there isn't a risk of cancer in other areas of the other top part, part of the body. Um, and again, the same things, symptom, uh, same treatment is um, for steroids, but again, other areas of the body are different for steroids, so don't be more careful. And other areas of the body, they say there's more chance of that going. Obviously, the skin can be crinkled as well. It, it can look um, sort of paper thin, although it's not. It, it looks like it is, but it's not. It's actually thickened skin. Um, you've got bruises and blood blisters can appear as well, especially if you're scratching. Ulcers can appear. Again, friction for clothes or walking or riding a bike. Um, urine, like I said, can sting. Um, things like um, ulcers and lumps and tears, if you are using a steroid, and you're using it daily for at least sort of two weeks and nothing's changing at all, that is when you need to go back to your GP because that's when they need to check that you're using the right steroid. Because sometimes you need a different one. You know, I've, I've only been diagnosed seven years and I'm probably on my sixth different type of steroid now. So sometimes using the same one, you might have to change or use for different reasons. So if something's not helping at all, then go back. Although the risk is small for cancer, you know, that's when they need to maybe do a biopsy because quite often LS... If you've got somebody that has shown an interest in microscopic or you've been referred to a specialist, they can diagnose on site in your history. Um, other times they do a biopsy if they're not sure or they think you might have more than one condition going on or they do suspect maybe it could be pre-cancer or cancer, then they will do a biopsy. So that's why it's important if you've got a tear, a lump or a sore that hasn't improved at all after at least two weeks of steroid, make sure you, you see somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said before, sex can be painful and cause tears as well. So they're all the sort of symptoms of LS that, that get. But again, you don't have to have all of them or even the common ones. Now, it's very difficult to resist an itch, isn't it? When especially in the vulva. But um, I, I know from um, vaginal atrophy, if you itch, I mean, it's such so satisfying. <laughs> it's so satisfying for like a second. Mm. Yeah. then it comes back with with vengeance if you uh, can ease it it's better it's cycle. yeah if you stop the itch scrap cycle then you've you know you've, you've won but that is quite hard to do like you say it's like being stung by loads of of um mosquitoes like it's just you've got to scratch it scratch. And, and you know and sometimes you know you can't help it and that's quite often when you get the blood blisters and the bruising because you have rubbed or scratch and it is this lovely feeling while you're scratching but as soon as you stop you regret it because then you can't walk can't sit you know it's uh, it stings to go to the toilet cause all the problems and that is what for most is what the steroid helps with things like the itching and the soreness and that should go um unfortunately obviously any architectural change um doesn't can't reverse back that's that's too late unless you have surgery um whiteness again for some people it does mine did i used a steroid i think for two weeks initially and although i'd had it for a lot of years and it was very white and silvery mine went back to pink within two weeks mm -hmm. obviously others it doesn't or it takes longer again that's different stress we know causes inflammation and can cause you know skin problems so if you're stressed we know that causes a lot of us to have flares so you know just finding ways that help. Um, to help with the itching, you can moisturize. If the skin's dry, it's itchy, so make sure you're using a good emollient substitute. Uh, Vaseline helps a lot of people. Um, you know, if, if you're struggling, quite a lot of us are itchy more at night. So then to try and help you get some sleep, a lot of people will have antihistamine, because um, that helps stop a lot of us the scratch. Again, if you haven't got a drive or worry the next day, you can have, you know, the drowsy one, so it might help you sleep. Um, you can get things from the um, doctor like Insta Gel, 
which is um, a numbing cream, um, which you can give temporary relief. Um, you can buy some over the counter yourself, like lidocaine. Um, it can numb the area so that stops the itch, so I hopefully stop the itch draft cycle. So there are things that can help. Drinking lots of water helps as well, because if you make urine less acidic, that helps. So there are ways. Barley water then, not barley water, le lemon barley. <laughs> yeah, does it change your life? You've got to, you know, work around it. What you do one day can affect the following day. You know, some yeah. people find better toilet rolls help as well. Um, I don't use toilet roll that often now. I use, I have a peri bottle, which is a bottle which squirts water. So when I go to the toilet, I do that at the same time because they are starting to look into urine now. They think it could not cause LS, but triggers it or causes problems. So protecting the skin. So when I do go to the toilet, I use it during and after because as well, because obviously I've lost so much now due to the LS and the surgeries. Um, I don't wee straight, so it goes everywhere. So I've, if you know, I want to feel clean, I use a peri bottle to clean. Mm -hmm. And then I just cut up some cotton, old bed sheet, cotton bed sheet into squares and just use that to dab. Don't wipe because that can cause tears. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just finding ways really, which is why our support group, if you, anyone is listening that's got lichen join our support group because I put all these sort of tips and ideas, articles, all, you know, all medical proven facts and information all in our support group. I do a lot more there than I do obviously on the open Instagram pages because it's a lot easier to do it in a support group. Yeah. And where is your support group, Claire? Is that on Facebook? In Facebook? Yeah, it's yeah. on Facebook. I know some people don't do Facebook, but if they want to open an account just for that, which some do, then to contact us first because we need to know who you are before you join because unfortunately we get quite a lot of of um, scammers trying to join to sell their their herbs, their cures, that cures cancer, and all sorts of rubbish. So they quite often open new accounts, so we can't let in new accounts. But if you contact me first, let me know what your name's going to be on it, and you open an account just for that group. Or if you're already on Facebook, look for us. Um, no, it's Lichen Sclerosis UK. It's got the UK bit in it. Awareness group is on there. But on our website, lsbcukawareness.co.uk, the links to support group for LS is um, on there. Claire, if there's one of our listeners now thinking that they do have LS and they're going to make an appointment with their GP, what, how would you, what, they, when they go into that appointment, what do they need to sort of do and say? I think if, well, try and write things down because when you get there, you go blank or you forget. Write down, again, in our support group, we've got a, a list of things, questions to ask. Um, so you've got your questions ready for when you go in. Um, if you have got photographs, that would be brilliant. I know it's difficult. Some people don't want to take photographs or can't, but try to because you can quite often, it's like any any condition. When you go to the doctor, you seem to feel better. You look better. Yeah. It's, it's law. So try and have pictures when it's in a flare. Or, you know, write down all the symptoms you've had. Um, tell them what it looked like before to now so they've got something to go on. And then just explain your symptoms. And if you think you have got Lichen sclerosis, then say that because sometimes they won't think of it first because it's classed as rare, although specialists say it's common um it's just commonly misdiagnosed um so you know just make sure they're aware of ls and that they show an interest in involved diseases if not ask to be referred if they say you've got thrush then ask them to do a swab um if you've used use the the treatment they give you and you're still getting symptoms then please go back don't do what i do and keep self buying it yourself and doing it again and again go back and say look i've tried it for this amount of times or this long it's still not working i've still got the symptoms you know it's your body you know you have to be obviously not rude but you've got to you know stand your ground and say i've still got the symptoms i've done what you said you've still got it i need to be referred you know and and, and go from there really
Is there anything else, Claire, that we haven't talked about that you'd like to clarify about lichen sclerosis or, or vulval health sort of generally? Yeah, I just think it's, it's really, it's, it's like I say, check your vulva at least once a month. If you've already got lichen sclerosis or you've had a previous vulva cancer or pre-cancer, then really should you check in once a week. Checking too much obviously causes health anxiety. So don't sort of do it daily or hourly like some do. Um, taking pictures helps because then you can compare. Quite often we think things have got worse than they haven't. So if you've got a picture to look back on a week ago, oh, it has got smaller, it makes you feel better. If it has got worse, then you can go to the doctor and say, look, a week ago it was like this. So try and take pictures. I've always said about a diary. Um, don't put anything down there that's, that smells nice. It's not meant to. Mm. Um, you know, we don't want perfumes or, or anything. You know, if you want a, a nice smelling shower gel, maybe use that for the top half of your body. But definitely for the bottom half, you need to use an emollient. You know, there's loads on the market, but Hydromol is one of the common ones that doctors give out. Um, it's quite a thick, gloopy um, ointment, but you can add water to it to make it watery, make it a moisturiser. Use Vaseline as a barrier for going to the toilet. Um, just, just think about really about what, what you're doing. You know, those of us with lichen sclerosis spend a lot more on our vulva than we do our face and hair now. But, you know, it's a way of life. So just make sure you do. Because some people don't want to spend money. or won't spend that on a nice pair of, like, cotton knickers. And yet they will spend a lot of money, like, £120 to get your hair done. But they yeah. won't spend anything if it's helping your vulva. So just try and sort of logically look at it different, that you've got to, you know, spend more money everywhere, not just on what we other people see. Yeah. And if anyone listening has got LS and they're worried, they're concerned um, about um, vulval cancer, um, I know we've got a previous episode with Claire, so you can go and listen to that because that's well worth listening to. But um, if they are particularly worried about something that has changed, what what are they what what should they be looking for? Well, vulval cancer is uh, normally it's a lump um, or an ulcer or change thick and coloured skin, a mole that has changed, just anything that's been there for a little while, like normally they say about two weeks, um, especially a lump, then go to your doctor. Um, if he says, oh, don't not to worry, it's only a cyst or you're too young and you go away and you still got it a few weeks later or a month later, then go back and, you know, and say, look, I've still got this lump. Um, I'm not sure it is a, you know, a cyst. I'd like to see somebody just to make sure it's not to rule out cancer. Because although it is rare, which oral cancer is, um, you know, there's still quite a lot that are getting misdiagnosed and getting told. Where we've kind of, we've mentioned the um, Facebook help um, support, support groups. groups. Where else? We know you're on Instagram because we converse occasionally. Yeah, I'm, on, but... I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Volva Cancer UK Awareness, which I don't just do vulva cancer i also help with other conditions vulva conditions and i share information on obviously lichen sclerosis and lichen planus and you know other conditions as well so it's not all doom and gloom because i'm also on twitter the same as um with vulva cancer uk awareness i put stuff and we tweet different stuff on there and uh, emma who who i work with who's got lichen sclerosis she's on um Twitter and Instagram as Lichen Sclerosis UK Awareness. And together we both got the, the group on Facebook, which is um, Lichen Sclerosis Vulva Cancer UK Awareness on our Facebook page. Um, and obviously we do, well, nine support groups between us and also the, the website as well. Good grief. Well yeah. done for all your hard work. Yeah. You do it, you know, to, to help others, which is uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah, we, we love what you do. And she takes a good photograph as well, Lou, doesn't she? Yeah, as we she found out takes, last year. She's a fantastic <laughs> photographer. I'm surprised That's you're not doing job. that. Yeah. <laughs> 
We take her everywhere we go, don't we, we Lou? We do. We take do. Our photos. She's our Thank plus one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're going to let you go and have some tea now. And um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Thank you a lot, Claire. And we'll see you over on Instagram very soon. Yeah, sending lots of love, Claire. Thank you. Anyone needs any help, you can message the page as well on Instagram to ask me any questions. I can try and help you. I'll give you some links as well. book collective so we are reading the absolutely sublime 12 moons a year under a shared sky by caro giles and we have read chapter three now we've had some great comments from a, a couple of our listeners as well um razia told us i'm listening to the audio version of 12 moons such beautiful poetic writing and she narrates in such a soothing tone oh I bet she does I think she is spot on in the way she describes the aftermath of Sarah Everard's murder stay inside keep yourself safe protect yourself and so the insistence of the passive continues placing the onus on women mm. to be proactive and preventing the violent actions of men succinct and eloquent love it yeah yeah, definitely. We'd, but this is the chapter that we're, we're looking at today, isn't it? Um, and listener, lovely Rachel, messaged her, uh, us with her thoughts saying, I'm reading 12 Moons, but a little ahead of where you are. Um, but going back to chapter two, um, I had to read, there was a bit I had to read several times because it was so poignant. Um, this is the bit here. I quote, but she is the elephant who never forgets and her exhausted brain holds and distorts feelings and historical exchanges until they loom like monsters and take on lives of their own. In these demons, that it is these demons that haunt her and the combination of a lightning brain and a blocked filter is causing endless pain. She said, Rachel says this so perfectly describes a student we have um, in school with ASD and PDA that I have shared it with our teaching staff to help them understand how the student's brain works. Uh, PDA is pathological demand avoidance. That's a really difficult, mm. difficult thing to for, for both child and teacher, isn't it? Um, this book is really helping me understand better what it's like for our parents of AD, ASD students. That's so precious, it's, isn't it? It because, is so important. Yeah, so important. So important. And, you know, being a parent carer, I mean, this, it absolutely, she describes it so beautifully and, and the struggles she doesn't hold back on those struggles. No, she doesn't. But she doesn't no... dwell on them either, does she? She's not a victim either. No. She's not sort of saying, "Oh, poor me." She actually, she's, she not I relishes the challenge. It's not that at all. But she does the. She the best. rises. She, she to does right. Yeah. That's the like word. The moon she rises. rises to she it. rises. Yeah, to but it. she's all also always searching for a bit of herself, isn't she? Yeah. Because it can be. I think you need to in that situation as a parent carer because it's too overwhelming otherwise. Yeah. You need to find those bits. It? And we, we find her, don't we, Lou, in chapter, um, chapter, three, chapter three, which is the Lenten moon, which That's... is the spring moon, isn't it? But it was for, it's actually, um, it's not from the Christian. It's from, not Christian, what's the other word? Come on, gents. Pagan. Thank you. Pagan. Pagan ah. times, yeah. 
that doesn't surprise me. Most most of our celebrations yeah. and things and, and names are. But we find her dreaming about being desired. Oh, I know. Don't that we? Lovely kiss on the neck. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and during and and also during this uh, moon that we have, like Razia said, we have the kidnap and murder of Sarah Everard yeah. that happens and the vigil um that the women um held at uh, Clapham Common. Um um and just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Scotland Yard has only apologised. You know, yes. you're looking three years on. So, and they've you were... only just apologised and paid substantial damages to two of those uh, women, um, Al Obeid and um, Patsy Stevenson. And, and so Patsy was the one, uh, if I'm right in saying the two of them, Patsy was the one with the, the ginger hair. The one that you, you everyone that, saw that, yeah. that photo that looked, it was such a brilliant photo. It looked staged. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't, was it? No. And so I just want to read this this um, lovely quote here. Um, talking about that, um, Caro says, you may not gather at a safe social distance and remember this woman. You may not express your grief. You must stay behind mm. closed doors where you belong. We don't want to see your wild eyes and fierce jaws. If you try to gather, we will brutalize you and whip you up into a frenzy just to remind the world that women become hysterical and shrill when they are upset. It is best if you stay inside, keep yourself safe, protect yourselves. And so the insistence of the passive continues, placing the onus on women to be proactive in preventing the violent actions of men. Yeah, exactly, so powerful. Exactly what Razia said, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and, and uh, as well, because we, we both we both lit candles at certain at certain time yeah. in the evening to, to remember um, to, uh, Sarah, she was she was disappointed, Caro, that there were there weren't any many other candles That's lit right. down her street. Yeah, but then she, she you know she reflects on that so beautifully, and she just says maybe a woman is walking on eggshells or strokes a bruised arm, but no one can see and no one wants to know. Just like no one wants to know about the times I wake suddenly in the middle of the night with a lump in my chest and a bird in my throat, roughly dragged from my always light sleep by voices outside my window or a car engine running nearby. The fear doesn't come from nowhere. It trickles through lies because there is good reason to be scared. It does trickle down, isn't it? So to, and until the point that it's completely and utterly normalised. Yeah. I, I really believe with books like Harrow's and people, uh, I suppose, like us, but like a lot of other people, we're waking up. Yeah. To, I mean, it's taken a while. But people I think aren't more happy women about and more it. younger women are now oh, waking well, up. Look at our girls. They're fully, they're wide awake. Yeah. We learn about the call bearer, don't we? Her daughter, yes. the, uh, the call bearer and what the call means. I as didn't well. know that before I read this. Did you? <sighs> yes, I did actually. It's, it's a beautiful yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's where it's the, the sack, isn't it? The, when, when she gave birth, the yeah. sack was still whole around, around her daughter and it had to be pierced by the midwife. Yeah, and, and she kept it because it's, it's a. I think it, it, it's a. It's a lucky charm, it's a lucky almost, charm. isn't it? Yeah. On boats and things, yeah. in sailors yeah. in olden time, yeah. times. Yeah. Um, and we le also learn because she was talking about you were talking about Lent being Christian thing, but originally a, a pagan thing. Um, and yes, it's the old English word I think for spring, Lou. Um, but she was brought up as a Christian, yes. so we learned how she was in the choir. Um, but this now bothers her because most of the hymns 
which didn't realize at the time, like none of us did when we were at church, were written and sung by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asks, where are the women's voices? <laughs> where are the stories that they exactly. told? You know? Um, and I, th- I think, Lou, this chapter is a, is a chapter of struggles, oh, um, yeah. but it's a real chapter of courage, yep. isn't it? I, I just love it. We, we should get her. She has her, um, the allotment. We talk. She talks about that. She talks, and she starts talking about her swimming as well, doesn't she? Yes, she does. I, I think again, this this sort of bravery, Lou, comes from um, she she's brave when everything seems to be breaking around her, yeah. doesn't she? And she's the still world finding is literally time. falling apart. It, it is, and in her small world like she mentions what's going on where these eggshells people are stepping on you don't yeah. know what's going in our smaller world is, is might be breaking apart but also the the wider world that the moon can the moon can see um but she does she gets glimpses of the real caro and you mentioned her swimming she goes swimming with her friend doesn't she she does and and also that she the, the icy dip she says help the mermaid which is her eldest daughter who she's a parent carer for and um it really helps her and eases her her, and she just and she just said that the mermaid's ease and fearless um fearlessness fueled my addiction to swimming yeah because i mean how wonderful yeah. to be able to take her then especially when she can't use it she's lost the use of her legs yes. but she just gets this lovely feeling from the water it's beautiful isn't yeah. it and um and she says um, she writes after swimming with her friend, we are the sea witches frolicking, spinning spells of salt and shells, washing away the everyday and reclaiming the magic inside us. She is she is just so clever. I think it, she just oh. writes so beautifully. Well, she I, she seems to put writing. into words what, what, I'm, what we feel, yes. but I could never put she that gives, into words she I gives could, it she gives she puts it on the page doesn't she, she gives it really, words she really yeah. does you think gosh I, I'm I feel like that and I never knew I felt like that yeah. but you do it's oh so wonderful Caro wonderful we're going to be looking at next week we're going to read the hair moon which is uh not the hairy moon not the hairy moon <laughs> the, hair the, moon. the hair moon or the um growing moon or the egg moon or the budding moon as it's called yes because she's we're going into winter she's moving in the book is actually moving into sort of more spring now isn't it spring summer yeah so let us know we want to hear what you have to say and thank you to anyone that's let us know that's reading along already yes foodie collective Lou so as I said before neither of us thought we'd have time no. we left it to the last back minute the other days and you yeah. running around it, but I you know as, like, I don't know if I mentioned but I had a cancellation like <laughs> Nigella in the kitchen it's a cross between Nigella Prue Mitchell is it Prue no she's a doctor Prue Mitchell. Isn't she? <laughs> she's our local doctor Prue. she wasn't here <laughs> we I don't... might need her in a minute though all that running around I might need her I wonder if she can cook a nice pea and spinach soup Prue what's it she called from Bake Off Prue oh, oh. nice beaver Prue yeah yeah beautiful glasses lovely there. necklaces yeah Anyway, that, that's menopause. Yeah, they never want to be shouting. Go. She's the, not prune. It's not our GP. I was going to say shouting at the radio. We're not even on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, that was me. That was me in my hour cancellation. Um, so we have made. I have made Rachel's pea and spinach soup. Which, if you were listening last uh, to the last episode, she gave us a lovely recipe. Um, and um, yeah, so it's so it, honestly, and I have usually. Can I just say, yeah, bugger me, it's 
bloody lovely so good isn't it it's so simple and i didn't have frozen it's made with frozen peas frozen spinach one potato one onion some stock and a bit of water that is it a bit of salt and pepper oh, so nice. how nice is it rachel yeah i didn't have any frozen spinach but luckily riverford came this morning and a big bag a bloody big bag of spinach um so i used fresh spinach and um it is the darkest green i've forgotten to take a photo lou i'm going to take a photo in a minute but it's almost gone um <laughs> for instagram <I'm> sorry. <laughs> she loves it rachel she loves it um it's it'll be on our um podcast show notes but it's easy peasy lemon squeezy um give it a go and let us know if you try it so thank you for that Rachel I'll be making it again it looks so healthy and yeah. it tastes healthy yeah yeah tis I've got a nice button of squash in my Riverford so I thought I might try um L's butternut oh. squash spicy soup for next week I love a butternut squash we're in squash time now aren't we we are in squash don't like time. pumpkins though no because we don't like Halloween do no, we no pumpkins waste a bloody time yeah they're a bit watery aren't they oh and who wants a pumpkin syrupy latte you love flavored <laughs> you love flavored coffees why well, yeah i'm gonna treat you to a pumpkin spice latte oh, <laughs> i'll eat my own eyeballs you have to get them out first <laughs> wanna be easy with a spoon <laughs> me soup spoon. Yeah, wanna be easy <laughs> the one that don't work will be easier but i don't know about the other one you won't feel a thing <laughs> So I challenged Lou to a lovely Holly McComish, to write a nice Holly McComish inspired taboo poem. Now, if you follow us on Instagram, you will have seen and it went down a storm. People loved it and it was very good. But for those of you who may not have seen it, Lou is going to recite it for us, aren't you Lou? Yes, I am. So I hope you're all sitting comfortably. It's called Bum Crack Hair. Standing in the shower, warm water cascades down, cleansing my body. Cellulite soaked, boobs lifted and sponged, bubbles of lemongrass burst and pop, swirling down the plug hole. Hair throffed in coconut essence, cleansed and rinsed water flows over my curves. Stepping onto the bath mat, towels soaking up the droplets, bending down I dry my legs. My eyes spy new hair growth. It's on the menopause symptoms list, hair loss. It's fallen from my head and it's travelled down. It got stopped on the way. My head hair has got stuck in my bum crack. <laughs> Gently, the hairs tickle my thighs. They dangle like dream catchers. Maybe I should style them up. I sigh. Every cloud has a silver lining. New bum hair has got to be better than more follicles sprouting from my chin. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you replace the on with the from or from with the on? No, I can't remember I, what I, Mrs. Menacles said. No, I can't. Sorry, I, Mrs. Menacles. I, I kept it as forthwith. <laughs> as forthwith. Um, oh, so good, Lou. Loved it. Um, let us know what you think um, about that. And if you've got any, we'd love to hear oh, your yes, taboo poems. Oh, yes, if you've poems. got a taboo poem. Even if somebody else has written it, let us know what it what, what is. We'd love to hear it. Now, I have a new WI um, oh, this week. Lordy. It doesn't involve writing, um, but it does involve moving. Um, so in this week's Stylist magazine, they said it might sound simple, um, but getting up without using your arms is a test 
is a key test of strength, mobility, flexibility, and more. In fact, Lou, it's actually a test used by medical professionals as a quick way of evaluating overall health and fitness. So it's commonly known as the SIT to stand test. It became popular with doctors during the pandemic as an easy way to measure exercise capacity. I don't know how that would measure exercise capacity, um, either at home or in small places. In fact, studies show that the sit to stand test could even predict how long you live, although it's only been tested on adults so far. But even so, what is the sit to stand test, Lou? Do you want to find out? I am riveted. The test is super simple in content anyway, (laughs) not necessarily in our execution of it, Lou. (laughs) The goal of the sit to stand test is to go from standing to sitting on the floor and standing again without any assistance from the hands, explains women health expert trainer Marie Carmen Sanchez. She says it is seen as an infection effective indicator of health because it requires a combination of good balance oh you got this one Lou oh, agility be, agility I'll be breaking more things in my body flexibility and core and leg strength to complete it so our WI this week Lou and those listeners who uh partake in partake it. in this mission is to do the sit to stand test at home and here's how Start by standing and give yourself 10 points. Sit on the floor, cross-legged from standing. Stand back up. That's all you have to do. But you subtract a point every time you use your hand, knee, forearm, or side of your leg to help you stand. So you literally have to use your core to get So will I have points deducted if I go, oof? No, you can make a noise. Every time I go down... Or I get up now from seated, even though it's not an effort. Oof. Even even if it's not an effort, yeah, you still have to make that sound. I do. I've reached that time in my life where sounds come out my mouth when I move. Isn't it funny? Oof. What age? Do you think that's, that? Do you think that's a certain age or just a sort of a feeling? Or, or your body's what? just going, oh fuck it, for fuck's sake, she's forgotten. But the thing oh, is, she's forgotten again. Yeah. <laughs> usually, I have to get up because I've forgotten my fucking glasses yeah. or, or the wrong glass. I sit the amount of times I sit down to watch the telly, yeah. and I've got my reading glasses on and not my telly glasses. And then you go, oh. God. yeah exactly yeah, so okay. it's the noises yeah so maybe we we try and do it without the noises as well and let's, let, let's yeah. add another layer let's add another layer take off a point if you make that oh sound <laughs> <laughs> <That's me buggers. laughs> like you're playing tennis <laughs> let us know how that goes folks we want to hear it um lou you did the quote for i tried to I'm sure it was my turn, but it wasn't. Um, so Lou has a quote for us. Take it away, Lou. Okay. So this quote, we lost the lovely Michael Gambon this week. And uh who he, you know, he was Dumbledore and Harry Potter. And yeah. that was one of our um my when my girls grew up. That was a film that they watched all the way through, all, all the Harry Potters. So this quote comes from the prisoner of Azkaban, Dumbledore. You think the dead we loved truly ever leave us. You think that we don't recall them more clearly in times of great trouble. Mm, I love that. Because yeah. when you're feeling at your lowest, yeah, that's when you remember them. Yeah, he had a few lovely quotes, didn't he, Dumbledore? I suppose that's in J.K. Rowling's writing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wanted to remember him, so yeah. I thought we'd do a quote yeah. from uh, Potter. Yeah, fantastically. 
What a fab week. What a wonderful week. Thank you, Claire. You were absolutely amazing talking about lichen sclerosis. I think that's that's a word we've got to use a lot more more of. Get yourself checked out. Yeah, and thank you, Rachel, for the soup recipe. Oh, yeah. So we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. Let me clear my frog. If you've enjoyed our podcast, you may like to consider buying us a Kofi at ko-fi.com forward slash womankind collective podcast not a pumpkin latte no No. jesus don't buy lou one of those (laughs) here you can find updates photos and some inclusive content we won't post anywhere else and your donation will help us ensure we continue to bring you great quality of content and sound so I'm asking it a great quality great quality (laughs) and some taboo 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 poetry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think our listeners are on side with us now. They know us, Jin, too they well. Do. They do. We would love you to subscribe, favourite and review our podcast. It really helps us spread the word. Please head over to our Instagram page, Womankind Collective, to leave comments or DM us with your thoughts or watch us and our guests on our Womankind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you'll find all the links, the recipes, the guest details and the hashtag Where's My Clinic campaign, the petition for a menopause clinic in Devon, on the podcast show notes and over on ko-fi.com fantastic she's giving me a bigger ending i know you did i thought you did that almost all in one breath there i think i did yeah I've gone a bit of and there wasn't a oh, in inside no, i haven't got up yet no no let's uh give I'm it a go, go in a minute. Up cup up of tea first lou oh. <laughs>